Hey folks, so this is the first episode I've published in a long time, and sorry for the ads, um, I'm mixing it up, I'm just doing one segment this time, um, I don't know, I might try and come up with a regular format as far as duration and schedule and frequency of publication and whatever. Anyway, just wanted to put something out there and um, try new things. Looks like Anchor and Spotify are doing some things and Spotify bought Anchor, I believe, and they're uh, trying to merge it into it, like the icon for the app changed, and they changed the name of the app, so it's not Anchor anymore on my phone. It's pod, it's a Spotify podcast or podcast podcasters. I can't remember anyway. Anyway, so new th- new things are happening. Also, I recorded this using a uh, an audio recorder on my Android device. I think I'd done a couple segments like that before, so I didn't use it. I didn't record it using the Anchor podcasting app, which is what I had done most of the time previously. So this time I used HiQ MP3 recorder. So I don't know if that makes a difference in the sound quality or whatever. I'm just saying. Um, if you notice anything different, that's what it is. Also, like I mentioned in this episode, I am trying to figure out a way to make the sound quality more consistent. I record in a variety of conditions, so it makes it hard to really make it consistent, but I'm trying to figure out how to do that. I did buy a dedicated recording device a while ago. It's a Zoom H1N digital recorder, and uh, I haven't used it yet. It's pretty cool. Not as tiny as I would like, but it's pretty small. You could put it in your pocket. Yeah, so that might be good. Get a windscreen. That might be good. I might try this out. All right. So hope you enjoy it. Give me some feedback if you want. You can reach me at ourback.info or you can read me read my blog there. That's my blog. You can... Um, I started doing uh, sort of a newsletter type thing on ourback.substack.com and then uh, if you want to see what kind of professional ideas I have, Sammy is playing with me right now, my cat, Um, you can look at blog.allyjnababi.info. And I post there sometimes when there's something mostly technology related. 
or professional. I'll put something there. All right. Hope you enjoy it. Take care of yourself. Good evening. It's 6.58 on Friday, March 10, 2023. I just got home from an AA meeting, even though I'm not an alcoholic. But I'm... I mean, I don't, I don't think I'm an alcoholic. Um, and I hate that I have to constantly defend myself. I'm sick of this. I'm sick of having to defend myself. I want this part of my life to be over. But once you're labeled as something, it is extremely difficult to get out from under it. And I have it light. A lot of people have it worse than I do. I don't know if you can hear the music. I'm trying to get a more stable podcast set up so that it's more... Uh, consistent. <coughs> consistent format, consistent length, consistent audio mix. I do want to be able to feel free to do some guerrilla radio type stuff and like just start recording when I'm out and about and include that. But um, it's also nice, I think, to the listener to and me, I want to know what kind of product I'm delivering. Like I recorded a segment on SoundCloud the other day. And when I went back to listen to it, I could barely hear what I was saying. The wind noise was nuts. So thank you for listening to that crap. I don't know if I would tolerate that. I'd probably be skipping through it. So I appreciate you listening despite the audio problems. Just know that I want you to have a good experience because I like having a good audio experience whenever I'm listening to something and I'm going to try and improve some things. And fortunately, um, I feel like I'm able to uh, spend some time on such things. Hold on, I got a notification. I did mute, I did think to mute my phone before I started recording, so that's an improvement. Um, before I get off track, and I do want to, by the way, so I was using Substack today arrowback.substack.com I was playing around with that I think before I left Mississippi as an alternative way to have sort of a newsletter so I blog it's just sort of like a public bulletin I don't expect it's not targeting anybody I don't expect anyone would look at it and I feel free to voice things 
Um, Sammy's moving around. He got off my lap. He's walking up to the monitor. Oh, he's looking at the phone. He's seeing that the phone reacts to his touch. Interesting. What are you going to do, Sammy? You want to come back here? Or you want to go walk around? What's going on? Oh, you want to jump down. Okay. Well, I'll see you later, buddy. Alright. So Sammy got down. What was I talking about? I'll get there. Hold on. Let me turn the music up. Nightmares on Wax. That's who we're listening to. The track is called Thoughts. The artist is Nightmares on Wax. The album is called Mind Elevation from 2002. the hell was I talking about? I was talking about notes. I was going to make notes. Notes the other day. Oh, yeah. So I was writing on Substack and... <clears throat> So yeah, I was looking for a way to, so the blog strategy is sort of just dropping it out there. I wanted to have a place where I could put things that were lightly edited, mostly unedited thoughts that I don't, I would risk letting the general public read, including potential employers, including friends and family and people who you know so I knew there could be some repercussions and there are definitely some things that I would not say on my blog even though it sounds like I would put it all out there there are some things that I have not written about so there are limits for various reasons I don't know if they're justifiable or not but at the time there were some limits so then I thought there was a way, I wanted to direct my communications. I wanted to commute, communicate to groups of people that were close to me and sort of like send life updates. And I didn't want to rely on social media algorithms to bubble it up in their news feeds. So I wanted to directly message them. So instead of sending a group email, I started doing looking for newsletters and I'd use MailChimp, I'd use tiny, what is it called, tiny letters, tiny notes, something like that. I'd experimented with that in the past, and so uh, Substack was just coming about, and so I gave that a shot, and then 
then the more I got to learn about it, and the more they started rolling out new features, it looked like it could actually be an alternative blogging platform. And not only an alternative blogging platform, but an alternative podcasting and blogging platform rolled into one. Which seemed great. WordPress is very full-featured, it's robust, it's reliable, it's been out there for a long time, but there are definitely some things that are some shortcomings, including, it seems like there's so much overhead. <clears throat> Often the performance is weak. I don't know why. Maybe if you pay for the more expensive plans, you can get more content delivery network benefits or something like that. I don't know what you can do to improve the performance, but in my experience, it hasn't been as great as I would like. And I don't know if it's just me. I don't know if you guys experience the same thing, but, and I host it on wordpress.com. It's not self, self-hosted WordPress. So I was using Substack. So I thought I would return to that because I wanted to send a message to friends. Also, it was more of a um, I don't know. I'm trying to narrow it down. Why did I choose to write on Substack today instead of a blog post? I think it was I think it was because I wanted people I wanted to ring some doorbells, knock on some doors. I wanted to be more proactive. I wanted to deliver my message to people instead of just posting it on a blog and waiting for people to see it. I think that's what it was. Like I wanted to deliver my... I had some information I wanted to deliver instead of just hanging it up somewhere and seeing if people wanted to view it. So I guess that's what it was. So if it's something like that, where I feel like I want to tell people about something, then I will use Substack for now. And if it's just something I want to put out there, if someone wants to come by and take a look, then I'll put it on my blog. So I'm still working this out in my head as I'm explaining it to you. So. What made, made me want to write, or sorry, podcast this evening, right now, was, oh yeah, so Chris Rock's special. So, I was anxious to um, see his next special. Anyway, because I'm a fan. And then also, I knew he was going to potentially address what happened with Will Smith at the Oscars. And I was interested to hear his take on it. His take. <laughs> Since he was directly involved, I don't know if you'd call it a take, but okay. Um, his description of what happened. Um... how he felt about it, all that stuff. And um, so I saw that it was released and I canceled my Netflix subscription months ago. 
I've been a long time Netflix subscriber. And often it was just Netflix. And the only time I had ever disrupted my membership was if I just, there was a billing problem or I couldn't afford it. And I didn't even know how often that was. Now that I think about it, I'd be interested to look back. I think I've probably subscribed to Netflix constantly, except for just temporary disruptions for years, years and years and years. DVD subscriptions, streaming subscriptions. So then finally, when my finances were shot and $15 a month actually meant something, then I felt like, well, I don't think I, I need to cut out everything. I need to cut out every single thing. Like, I was broke. And before that, and you know what? I might have, I might have canceled it before that. Because I was just finding myself scrolling through all the options that they presented. All the different ways they try to present it to you. The list of things. Either by genre or here's what's trending or here's what's new. Here's what's leaving. No. Do they do that? Or is it, is it Amazon Prime that does that? I know Amazon Prime does it. They say, here's what's leaving Amazon Prime. Better watch it before it leaves. Because of the stupid licensing bullshit. It should be like a blockbuster store, people. I'll get around to that. I'm gonna, I want to rant about that at some point. I don't know if I'm going to get to it right now. Anyway, so I decided, okay, I have some money. I have a job. I don't feel super stable, but I feel like I can afford at least a month of Netflix. So I'm going to subscribe and I'm going to watch Chris Rock and see what else is out there because honestly, I mean, I just feel like there's not a lot that I want to watch. There's not a lot that is attractive. And I feel like I'm not going to force myself to watch something. And I'm zeroing in on my point here. So I watched it and I liked it and I thought it was good. I have some thoughts about it, which I'd like to write about later. Like, for example, it's unfortunate. I feel like when someone and I, I, I feel this way about Joe Rogan sometimes. I feel this way about a couple people at least. Where I feel like so much. First of all, they have a platform that's very important. They're able to communicate to a lot of people. And so much of what they say is on point. And then there are those trip ups or something and they are 
comprised of missed opportunities and wrong ideas, in my opinion. Those are two categories of the trip-ups. So here they have a great opportunity to deliver good messages to people, whether it's art or insight or advice, whatever. And, and, and when it comes down to it, they're comics, period. They're stand-up comics. But there's some commentary there that is valuable. Just like anything in life, you could watch an episode of, what's that? The Tiger Show with Mr. Rogers. What the hell is that guy's name? I can't remember. I watched it with my kids. Anyway, you can watch kid. That's a bad example because that's supposed to be educational. But you can watch some stupid jackass piece of TV and come away with something valuable. So, anyway. It's not their job to tell people how to think or lecture people or deliver a sermon on life. But they can, and they're in a pretty exceptional position, some of them. With a, they have a special perspective that a lot of people don't have, and um, it's worth listening to. Because it's not Joe, the guy you've been sitting next to at work for 20 years. This is a person who's traveled around, seen some things, knows a lot of different kinds of people, and is pretty open-minded, and you might want to listen to what that person has to say. Anyway, but this isn't about Chris Rock. So tonight I come home and I think, oh, okay, what am I going to do? I have a chance to sit and relax before I do some stuff. Sammy's going to sit in my lap. Let's have some lap time. We'll, let's just watch something. Let's watch a video of, of some kind. <clears throat> Pardon me. So I, I think, okay, uh... I remember I subscribed to Netflix, so let's see what's on Netflix. So I go looking. Same old crap. Same old crap. Just scrolling down the page. Anything that stands out to me, quality-wise, I've seen it. I've seen it. Basically, I've seen everything they want to stream to me already. And I'm sure there might be some good stuff, but it's just not striking me. And I've tried to watch stuff. I'll just randomly pick stuff. Sometimes I go, oh, Sammy wants to play. See, this is why I want to adopt a cat. I'm sorry, Jamie. He doesn't want lap time. He wants someone to play with him. Well, I did play with him already. A lot. But he needs more play. 
More play, Sammy. Won't you come play with Sammy? Now I'm distracted. Now I feel like I should go play with my cat and not podcast. How am I going to concentrate on this? So is it... All right, I'm going to try and wrap this up quickly. So is it such an absurd idea to propose that, you know, yes, we live before there were, as people like to say, there were three channels, and sometimes there were different ways of looking at it. Um, If you include PBS, and then we finally had Fox, then we had other things. I mean, there were always more than three channels. They were just some, those were the big networks, but there were some other local broadcasters. But anyway, let's just say three channels. So anyway, there were a few channels. You could count them on two hands. Wherever you were with a TV set, through terrestrial broadcast transmissions, you could get a handful of stations. So now you have tons of choice. And does that mean that there's, does that mean, so before, if you say like, there were maybe, just look at the whole TV guide schedule. And depending on how picky you were, what criteria you used, what actual quality pieces of programming were there? It's not like junk food. And I feel like there are some pretty subjective or pretty objective ways to look at this. And I have not put together the list of the objective criteria. And I have not done, I have not applied that imaginary list that doesn't exist to the content and done the research. So I don't know. So this is just an example. But I'm guessing, let's just say. I'm going to try and make this somewhat accurate, but just know that it's not. But I have to come up with a number. So, let's just say, in 1980, or 75, or whatever, let's say 1980. In 1980, there were, like, I don't even know. Because you... Do you just want to do prime time or you want to do the whole day schedule? Let's say there were like 15 really good things to watch on a weekly basis. That could include news magazine shows, sitcoms, dramas, some sketch comedy, maybe Saturday Night Live, documentaries, like 15 hours of solid programming per week. And it wasn't new every week, but it was new a lot of the time. And you would have series television, including documentaries, and that would be something like anywhere between eight episodes per season to 25 episodes per season depending and um, so if you have 52 weeks per year is it 52 weeks per year 
Holy shit. How many weeks in a year? Is it 56 or 52? Oh my god. I need to look it up. Um, that's crazy. Alright, 4, 48. Yeah, it's 52. I think it's 52. Um, right? God, how do I not know this? All right, well, I'm gonna publish this anyway. All right, that's crazy. You know, the other day I realized I forgot how leap years work. I used to know it all the time. I don't know why. I think part of it was working with computers. I was doing a lot of date stuff, and so very frequently, at least three times a year, something would come up where I had to know about leap years. And then I realized I totally forgot how they work. And for a while, that, that was like assumed knowledge crucial knowledge. I needed to know that in order to make software that worked properly. And then I didn't know. And now I don't know how many weeks there are in a year. So I guess part of my brain said that doesn't matter to us anymore. <laughs> and it threw it out. So I need to refresh my memory. All right, so TV programming. All right, so, so yeah, T Sammy stopped bothering me for playing. He's hopefully found constructive, non-destructive ways to amuse himself while daddy, or however he refers to me, is recording his podcast. So... So you have this ballooning of cable channels. And what does that mean? So you go from three channels to hundreds, which let's, let's rein that in also. People like to say hundreds of channels. It's not really hundreds of channels. I mean, some of that is like pictures of boats for sale or pictures of city council meeting bulletin boards and it's just static images with some music playing in the background and it's obscure sports events sporting events you'll never watch and some of them are doubled like you will have analog stations and you'll have digital stations or you'll have high def stations that are duplicated to have NBC HD and I don't even know what they're doing now and then now that they have digital television signals you can have multiplexed or however you call it over-the-air stations you have NBC 1 NBC 2 NBC 3 NBC 4 so it's all over the place so 
does that mean whereas there were 15 solid hours of weekly programming that had integrity they were produced well by people who cared about them and that's not saying that's the best humanity could muster that's saying the system at that time with the money allocated to it produced 15 hours there were probably lots of people in society who could have produced lots of quality programming but either they didn't have a TV studio or they didn't have a contract or they didn't know the right people or there wasn't enough budget they just didn't have the money to do it so it's not saying that in the universe there were 15 hours of quality programming it's just this is what made it through the meat grinder this is what made it through the factory and ended up on air so then you have through technological innovation the capability to have all these other channels not hundreds let's just say dozens of channels or over a hundred whatever you know what I'm talking about um, so does that mean that so let's say there are 150 channels now does that mean there are now whereas there were three so that's 50 times the number. So does that mean there's 50 times 15, which would be what, 750? Does that mean there are now 750 hours a week of quality programming? Well, you know what my answer is. Fuck no. Fuck no, there isn't. There could be. There are some creative people in the world. But that's not how it works. And maybe there couldn't be, actually. You know? Because... But I think there could... I think there could be. I really don't know. Because so much of what we've seen is not... For example, you know, capitalism, people talk about free market. This isn't a free market. Even economists say it's a free market and the market will adjust and it will adapt well I I believe you know this is the interesting thing for all the hate I give to capitalism I would be interested to see what un I would be interested to see what real unfettered capitalism would look like like capitalism with rules that are obeyed because we haven't seen it and again you know going back to something I've said repeatedly define your terms what is capitalism are we talking about the same thing if you want to have a system where the demand dictates the supply and market forces dictate what happens then let's do it let them fight let's see what happens 
Let's put it in a laboratory and let's see what happens. Let's see what the result is. But we don't, we monkey with it. What am I talking about? Well, when the system breaks and the banks, which are doing stupid shit and investing in ghosts and mirages, and then the, you have a mortgage crisis in 2008 and all that crap, what happens? Well, the government bails it out. And what's the government? You. You. The people. The people bail the banks out. First, the banks take all your money because the system is like a casino at this point. And market forces say, when you behave that way, you're gonna pay for it and it, it's gonna fall down because you're behaving in a way that does not make sense and it's unsustainable. But then when the market is trying to correct itself and the banks are gonna go boom and explode, well, that doesn't happen. It isn't allowed to happen. The market is not allowed to correct itself. So you have a situation where even if you're holding all aces in your hand, the house wins regardless, period. The house always wins. So where's the lesson in that? Where's, this, where's the self-correcting market force of capitalism in that situation? It doesn't exist. Because people can't handle losing. And what happens when you keep doing that is the whole thing's going to blow up eventually. You can't keep living like that. And that's what we're seeing now. Alright. I went a little off topic. Um... But with the whole thing about content, there is no reason to say that just because you have more channels, you have a higher number of quality hours of content. And unfortunately, I don't know if people are I think there are a lot of factors that go into it, but people, I feel like it's hard for people to imagine that there's so much stuff out there and most of it is garbage. Because it doesn't make sense. And when something doesn't make sense to the brain, the brain tries to make it make sense. and you start rationalizing. And so things that, so crappy TV shows actually start to look okay. Cause you think, well, they put this much money in it. They're promoting it. My friend says he likes it. 
What am I missing? Maybe I'm missing something. And I want to watch something new. So let's try this. And then you watch it. And if it doesn't set your house on fire <laughs> or piss you off in some way, then you might watch it again. If it doesn't offend you in some way, if it's passable, you might watch it again. Not because you love it or because it puts you in the positive, you know, positive versus negative on the scale. It doesn't enhance your life, but it doesn't hurt you in some significant way. So that becomes, a, that becomes the litmus test. I'll watch something if it doesn't hurt me. Well then, the doors are open. Then you can start clicking on all kinds of stuff because now the bar is so low, all kinds of things are palatable all of a sudden. And before you know it, you're watching crap you never would have watched before. And I feel like that's what happens. That's what happened to me. And I feel like that's what happened to our society. And this is, unfortunately, you know, I feel like this is an effect of commercial, our commercial economy, where um, things are the market dictates what is presentable or not. This is sort of like, and it, it's sort of making me think of the difference between a democracy and a republic. So I don't know if you're familiar with the debate about when you have people who are very, very uh, set on the idea that this is a democracy is a representative democracy, the United States of America. And then you have people on the other side saying, this is a republic. This is not a democracy, this is a republic. And then you have people who say, this is a democratic republic. So you have these people who are trying to, you know, try and say these things. So what's the difference? So to my understanding, democracy is basically, to oversimplify, Democracy is one person, one vote. One person, one vote, and the majority rules. Those are the big ideas. Those are the big Trump ideas, Trumping ideas. Not Donald Trump, I mean the word Trump. That those Trump all the other ideas. One person, one vote, majority rules. Republic, I always think of pillars. Republic is like a building based on pillars. Those pillars exist no matter what else goes on inside the building. Like I'm thinking of a large marble structure in ancient Greece. Like a simple structure, but it has four big pillars that support it. And you can have a fair in there. You can have a business conference. You can have sporting events. You can have a war under there. But 
Throughout all of it, you have these pillars that are supporting this structure. That, to me, is a republic, where you have principles that exist regardless of the democracy. Because you are saying this country, for example, if, you were, if we're talking about a country, is based on these principles. And because we believe that without these principles, there is no meaningful existence to a certain extent. Um, to, to our understanding. To our understanding, these principles must be sacred and exist and be protected or else nothing else matters. Then you can have the democracy. You can have the voting, majority rules. However, nothing fucks with these pillars or else the whole thing's gonna fall down. <clears throat> so there you have a democratic republic, I guess. So, sorry, how's this talking about media? Uh, oh yeah, so market. So the market is like all democracy in one way. It's, uh, but it's tainted because you can convince people of anything. You're totally at the whim of, of the era what are people thinking that day? What mood are people in that day? How about that week? Did they have a hard winter? Did they have a bad harvest? Maybe people are really irritated, so they're gonna vote differently if they're feeling like they're fucked over. If they had a great harvest, oh, they might vote differently that, that next election because everyone's in a good mood. So it sort of goes back and forth and it's very, whimsical, unreliable, unsteady. It's an unsteady way of governing. Um, but it's free. And you can also convince people to, to vote against their interests. Or you can convince people to vote different ways. And That's exactly what happens in our country. And that's why those pillars are important. Those are the checks that say, okay, you can, you can uh, try and persuade somebody, but there are limits to that. And what are those limits? And so when it comes to media, I feel like whatever gets viewership, whatever gets that meter to rise is what goes on the air. And that has nothing to do with quality. Nothing. Zero. It's incidental. It's a nice to have. So that means it can be exploitative. It can be totally average. Because sometimes 
Just whatever appeals to the most people. Well, what is likely to appeal to a large number of people? Probably something that's so inoffensive and boring and stupid. Slightly interesting. And that will get on the air. So, do you want that dictating what goes on the air? Because clearly, not all ideas get to be on the air in a market economy, in a capitalist economy. Only the ones that are profitable. And what dictates profit? Ratings. What dictates ratings? Well, unfortunately, <laughs> not the best impulses. Because, and sometimes it's sort of like the audience is the, is the criminal and the victim at the same time. Because when people watch stupid shit, more stupid shit is produced. And it's not produced in a vacuum. It's produced at a cost. Because only a, a certain amount of stuff is produced. And if more of it is stupid, then less of it is good. And so the more and more people lean on this stupid shit and give their money to stupid shit, the less good stuff is produced, period. Because again, we live in a market economy, which is more like that democracy version of government and not like the Republic. There aren't guardrails. There aren't enough guardrails that say, like the National Endowment for the Arts, that say, okay, you can do whatever you want on TV from 8 to 10 p.m. in prime time, but we're gonna make sure that we put some good artists out there and we're gonna put Bill Moyers on PBS so that there's good stuff, even if no one cares about it. Because we're gonna show that this is what we stand for and we want to make sure that good journalism exists, good art exists, good comedy exists. We're going to show you Monty Python, even though you might not watch it. It is on PBS in 1975 at 10 p.m. So basically, Netflix and all these places, they're all full of shit. So basically, I'm going to cancel my Netflix streaming again because I've looked at it and it hasn't changed. And I'm just going to go with the DVDs. And, you know, it's funny because I was listening to, I made a note to write about this weeks ago. Someone was talking about um, on NPR, and I, NPR is for kids, I swear to God. They were talking about this guy who who was a subscriber to Netflix's DVD program. Uh, he was basically referring to himself as a dinosaur. As a holdout against streaming. First of all, it's not an either or. Are you stupid? You don't have to be an IT person to know this, or a scientist. They're different things. They're different things. 
One is not better than the other. They have different use cases. Stupid. If you're in the jungle and you have a portable DVD player, is streaming better than a DVD? You moron. That's one thing. Just to characterize watching DVDs. The other thing is, there are just, it's a, again, because of our stupid market economy, our market, not just market economy, market way of life, that's the problem. Of course, an economy, an economy is an economy. But when your economy dictates your life, your quality of life, your reality, your daily reality, that's a problem. Like when you have, when the economy impacts how you decide to have a baby, which hospital you're going to go to, depending on price, how much time you're going to take off work, that's a problem. It should be the other way around. Your life dictates the economy. The economy should not dictate your life. That's another story. So anyway, so back to DVDs. So I was going to sign off. Anyway. So. So this guy was virtually apologizing for being a DVD subscriber. And unfortunately, because of our economy and the way we choose to conduct ourselves in our society, I would argue probably at this moment in time, right now, most, probably 75% of the best art is unavailable to you right now. Unless you get it on DVD or you buy it. That means it's not on any streaming service and it might not ever be. Some of it might not ever be available on a streaming service. The only way you'll ever get it is if you buy it. So what does that say about freedom and freedom of expression? And what do you think that does to our culture when the best things about it are the hardest to get and the shittiest things about it are served to you on a platter they're almost force-fed to you you can't get away from it they're pumped into your ears while you're at a gas station filling up your gas tank all right i'm done i need to go do something else folks that's it for this episode I hope you enjoyed it I am recording this outro a little later than I published the episode I published it a couple days ago but it's been a while and I forgot that I did not a include interlude music between the segments and b I did not record an outro so here you go
I hope you have a nice rest of your day. Bye-bye.